On today's episode, I'll be getting into part three of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason grades, and I'll be dishing them out today to the veterans like Jason Dickinson, Connor Murphy, and Ryan Donato. Plus, also break down what I think the defensive pairings should be as Seth Jones is nearing his return. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. As always, thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your Friday. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And also make sure to go and follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, real quick, if you like what you're watching today, then please Make sure to go and show some support by hitting that like button, commenting down below, and subscribing to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel, all of which is 100% free. It won't cost you anything and really does help me out tremendously. So please make sure to take care of that real quick. And I also got to let you know, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Go to jacemedical.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off with your first order of life-saving medication. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Again, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Hope everyone is having a safe Friday here thus far. I know there's obviously some crazy weather going on outside right now. The snow is just piling up and looks like it's not going to be stopping here anytime soon. I actually lost power for a little bit this morning, which wasn't ideal. It was a little bit cold here. Fortunately, had a backup generator going, so that saved things a little bit, but I hope everyone's out there being safe, uh, staying warm, and all that good stuff. It's some scary weather going on out there, but we got a lot to break down on today's show and a lot going on in the Blackhawks world. I'm sure some of you know that Nick Felino has signed a two-year extension with the club. I'll be getting into that And then I'm probably going to have two episodes come out today. Maybe one will uh, premiere on Saturday morning just to kind of space things out a little bit. And the reason I'm doing that is because I do still have to get into part three of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason grades. And I also got some good stuff to break down as it looks like Seth Jones could possibly make his return to the lineup tomorrow night when the Blackhawks take on the Dallas Stars at the United Center. So I'm going to be getting to that stuff here first just because this is an episode I kind of had queued up before that news broke down. But don't worry, I will be discussing my thoughts on the Nick Foligno contract extension and some other things on the current stage of the Blackhawks and their hard-fought 2-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday night. But for today's show, it's time to get into part three, yes, of my midseason grades. And on today's show, I'll be getting into the veterans such as Jason Dickinson, Connor Murphy, Ryan Donato, and Mackenzie Entwistle, and Reese Johnson. I mean, I am still going to be having one more part of my midseason grades, the best of the rest. There's still four or five other players that I have to get into. Just a lot of guys got opportunities for the Blackhawks here in the first half because of all the injuries. So I have a couple of more guys than I uh, have to get into than I kind of originally expected, but it's all good. It's all fun and games. So be on the lookout for that probably coming on Monday next week as well, where I'll also be getting back into my Chicago Blackhawks top prospect rankings. But to kick things off here today, let's start with none other than 
28-year-old forward Jason Dickinson, who, in my opinion, and I think a lot of other Blackhawks fans' opinions, is probably the most likely candidate to now represent the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2024 NHL All-Star Game up in Toronto. As we know, Connor Bedard will not be able to go since he underwent successful surgery to repair his fractured jaw and his timeline is now going to be, he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. So Dickinson, in my opinion, is the guy the Blackhawks should be sending to Toronto because he has just had an incredible first half and really just taken strides in his game and making the most of the opportunity that he's getting here. He is turned into somehow a certified goal scorer, Blackhawks fans. And out of all the goals that Jason Dickinson has this season, he's got 14 and 41 games, which is uh, a new career high. His previous career high was nine, which he shattered a couple of weeks ago. But out of those 14 goals, what's been impressive to me is one, 13 of them have come from the even strength variety, which is really, really impressive. And second, most of them have been like absolute beauties, like curl and drag, top shelf snipes. It feels like, Jason Dickinson has just gotten this confidence in his shot this season that whenever he's pulling up and firing the biscuit, it has the chance to go in. He's been blowing it past opposing goaltenders, and it's really been awesome to see Jason Dickinson have this type of season. He's also added seven assists in his 41 games, so that gives him 21 points right now on the season, and he had a career-high 30 points last year for the Blackhawks in 78 games, so it looks like he's well on his way to shattering that. Another pretty impressive statistic here for Jason Dickinson. Last year on the Blackhawks, he was minus 29. This year, he's plus nine, one of the team leaders right there with Alex Vlasic. And I know plus not minus isn't the most meaningful or accurate stat to depict someone and their impact in hockey. But when you see someone who's a plus nine on this Blackhawks team, especially when I've been going through a lot of these uh, midseason grades and going through everyone's stats, there's a lot of, you know, dash 15s, dash 20s out there for the Blackhawks. I believe Connor Bedard is a minus 23. So for Jason Dickinson to be a plus nine, I think that's pretty impressive in and alone of itself. I mentioned the 13 goals at even strength. He had 13 even strength goals in his previous 140 games. Already has 13 and 41 this season. Uh, he's also shooting 21.9% and his previous career high was 10.6. So yeah, that's a little bit of an outlier, but I also go back to Dickinson just believing in himself a little bit more and just not passing up shooting opportunities, right? Like he's trying to call his own number out there and on a Blackhawks team that's kind of been lacking that as a whole, it's really refreshing to see Jason Dickinson. For the most part, whenever he has the puck on his stick, he's trying to fire it, trying to curl and drag it, and trying to put one top shelf. Also averaging 16 minutes and one second of time on ice. That's the second most of his NHL career. Uh, 146.6% of his faceoffs, which is kind of right on par for what he's been as a centerman in his entire career. 147.7% of his draws last season. Uh, 63 hits in the first half, 39 shot blocks on pace with what he had last year as well 34 takeaways this season too not only has Dickinson been solid offensively but he's been hounding players out there on the back check as well he only had 54 takeaways in 78 games last year 34 in his opening 41 this season and then in terms of the analytics kind of surprising Dickinson's 
Uh, Corsi four percentage is 42.1%, but he has been on the ice for 32 goals for to 34 against. One of the best five-on-five goal differential ratios on the Blackhawks, and there also has been an 89.1 on-ice save percentage for him, which is one of the better uh, numbers for the Blackhawks players, and I think that probably is a result of Jason Dickinson doing a lot of good stuff on the defensive side of things as well. So from all accounts, I think it's been, I know they're two different players, but just like Connor Bedard, I think this first half has been a smashing success for Jason Dickinson. And I don't really know if there's anything you can knock him for. He's really, other than Connor Bedard, been the Blackhawks' best center all year long and one of their best offensive pieces, uh, helping this team stay alive. They're really struggling offensively. Don't even want to think where they'd be without Jason Dickinson. So for many different reasons, I think I have to give Jason Dickinson an A for his performance in this first half. Really hope he winds up in Toronto for the NHL All-Star game. Next, we have 30-year-old defenseman Connor Murphy, who, believe it or not, is going to be 31 in March, the longest tenured member of the Chicago Blackhawks. He's been here since the Joel Quenville days, which, you know, seemed like a while ago now. I believe he got canned in, what, 2018? Uh, Yeah, Murph's been here for a while, but I'll tell you what, he is someone who is really kind of hard to gauge because he plays a selfless role for the Blackhawks year in and year out, someone who... Uh, always is in defensive-minded situations, starting a lot in the defensive zone. And on a bad Blackhawks team that has a bad goal differential and gives up a lot of goals, that kind of leads to the numbers never really looking good for Connor Murphy. But I'll tell you what, this season, after seeing what Alex Vlasic has been able to do as a rookie, I think it's kind of hard to still be building up excuses for why Connor Murphy's numbers are bad when we're seeing a 22-year-old put up better numbers than he is. So it's kind of been tough to uh, gauge Connor Murphy this season, but in his 41 games offensively, he has one goal so far this year, which is uh, a little bit disappointing after he had seven and 80 games last year, even though I didn't expect him to go out and score seven goals for the second consecutive year. I wish he would have been chipping in a little bit more offensively, but he has done a good job in the assist department. He's got six assists already in 41 games after having just six in 80 games last year. So those numbers are up, uh, but only seven points is still pretty far back of his career high, which is 19. One thing that stood out to me too, the penalty minutes for Murphy. He's already got 40 and 41 games this year, uh, had 69 and 80 games last year. So, and that's something that's kind of stood out to me too, is he's been in the box a little bit more this season. And as a, more reliable penalty killer out there. You certainly want to have him on the ice in those situations. So um, I think it's key for Murphy to try to stay out of the box a little bit more in the second half. His plus minus, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Minus 19, but as someone who's in a lot of tough defensive situations, it's hard to blame Murphy for being on the ice for that many goals. Uh, His time on ice, though, 19 minutes and 52 seconds, which is up a little bit from his 19 minutes and 23 seconds last year, but he had been over 20 minutes per game in the previous three years, and Kevin Korczynski and Alex Vlasic are regularly playing more than Connor Murphy. Now, I think that's probably a result of the Blackhawks organization wanting to give their young guys who they're hopeful for in the future opportunities, but I think it also kind of tells you that Connor Murphy, he's just not a top pairing defenseman for this Blackhawk squad. He's a second pairing defenseman type of guy. And 
I am curious as to what his future is going to be here with this Blackhawks organization and also how he's kind of depicted in other teams' minds around the NHL because these numbers are not all that great. One area where I will give Murphy a ton of credit for, though, is in the blocks and hits department. He always racks up high amounts of numbers in these because he is a selfless type of player and is always willing to do what it takes to get the job done. Already has 100 blocks in 41 games this season after having 160 and 80 games last year. He's on track for a new career high in that category. Also already has 90 hits in 41 games after having 165 last year. So he's really boosting those numbers up, which you love to see, but I would still like him to be a little bit more of a consistent force in the defensive zone. And one thing I will say about it too is, you know, he's been playing with Kevin Korchinski a lot this year, and recently he's been playing with Jared Tenorti. So that certainly doesn't help that he hasn't had the most um, sustainable defensive partner alongside him. But Alex Vlasic's been playing with Jacob Megna. Like, I, I just can't find excuses to defend Connor Murphy anymore for his poor numbers when we're seeing youngsters do a whole lot better than he is. So, um, and then in terms of the analytics, Murphy has a 40.8 Corsi 4 percentage, which believe it or not is actually better than last year, but he's been on the ice to 21 goals for to 56 goals against at even strength. And any way you shape it up, 56 goals against in 41 games, I don't care what kind of role he's playing at five on five, that's it's it's not good enough. And 87.4 on ice save percentage. Yeah, you can use that as an excuse, but I'm sure Murphy's defensive play is kind of aided in that number being a little bit lower. So I'm not thrilled with Connor Murphy's first half. I do think he's been better here recently, but as a whole, for the expectations we have for him as a veteran 31-year-old defensive defenseman, I still expect a little bit more. Um, So for those reasons, I'm going to give Connor Murphy a C for his performance in the first half. And that takes me to Ryan Donato, the 27-year-old forward the Blackhawks acquired this offseason from the Seattle Kraken. Had a really solid year for them last season as the Kraken uh, made a run through the Western uh, Western Conference playoffs. A really fun team to watch last season. And Ryan Donato was someone who was playing in their bottom six, not getting a ton of offensive opportunities, but still found a way to make the most of that and put up some pretty respectable numbers and given a larger role for the Blackhawks this season, he's still been putting up really um, probably uh, on the same pace in terms of his numbers, which I think is pretty solid given that the Blackhawks offense as a whole has struggled this season. Donato's played in 39 of the Blackhawks first 41 games this year, tallying six goals and seven assists for 13 points. He had 14 goals last year for the Kraken along with 13 assists. So like I said, on pace to hit those numbers once again, 27 points as well, basically at the halfway point for all of those. Uh, Six even strength goals as well for Donato. All of his goals have come at the even strength variety, which is what you like to see. Uh, Shooting 7.7% too, which is down. He shot in the triple digits in three of his last four seasons. Um, So some bad puck luck. You can make the the argument for Donato that he could even have some more numbers, uh, some bigger numbers in the goal scoring departments. What I also like about Donato, similar to Jason Dickinson and Colin Blackwell as well, Uh, He's got 78 shots on goal, which is third on this Blackhawks team. He's someone who's always trying to fire the biscuit, baby. And it's probably not a surprise why Ryan Donato seems to always finish in the double digits in terms of goals, regardless of his role, because he's trying to put the pucks on net. And I think a lot of Blackhawks could learn from this guy, even though uh, maybe he's firing a bit more and that's leading to the down shooting percentage. Got to shoot the puck to score goals in this league. So uh, I like to, I'd like to see Ryan Donato have that aggressive mentality so far. 
also averaging 14 minutes and 46 seconds of time on ice, a second to third line role, mostly for him this year, uh, which is the most ice time he has received since 2018, 2019. He's also got 41 hits in 39 games this year, been nice in the physicality department and is on track to break his career high of 70 also has 32 takeaways and his career high is 39. So looks like he's going to be shattering that number as well. And the analytics look pretty good for Ryan Donato too. 48.8 Corsi four percentage. One of the better ones on the Blackhawks been on the ice to 21 goals for to 33 against that even strength with an 87.5 on ice save percentage. So defensively, he's been pretty good. I think he's been a solid second to third line guy for the Blackhawks. And like I said, kind of has that mentality that I wish some young guys like a Lucas Reichel or maybe like a uh, Cole Gutman would would kind of utilize a little bit more. I've been pretty happy with the addition of Ryan Donato thus far, uh, so I'm going to give him a B for his performance in the first half. As always, Blackhawks fans, make sure to go and comment down below as to whether or not you agree or disagree with the grades I'm giving out, and go and explain the reasoning why you feel like you should give them that grade. I always like interacting with all of you fans during this. That's the reason why I do it, so make sure to go and hit that comment section down below. All right, there are the grades for the first three veterans I'll be dishing out today. Coming up in just a moment, I will wrap up part three with Mackenzie Entwistle and Reese Johnson. But first, I need to talk to you all about Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities in real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? Because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And that is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a loved one got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they needed. And that's why I'm here to present you all with the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses. And you can also go and customize your own case right now with your own preferences by visiting jacemedical.com and completing your physician encounter. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and make sure to use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off with your first order. Again, that's jacemedical.com with the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Segment two, picking up where I left off, finishing up part three of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason grades. Up next is none other than 24-year-old forward Mackenzie Entwistle, who's in his third full NHL campaign, turns 25 years old in July and has played in 32 of the Blackhawks first 41 games this year, mostly down on the fourth line, which has really kind of been the expected role for him since he's arrived. And, you know, we don't expect Mackenzie Entwistle to have the highest of ceilings, but the expectations for him was to turn into a good fourth liner that can use his speed and his size and his energy and his physicality to his advantage. And the tough part, it's like defensive defensemen for the Blackhawks. It's really tough to gauge the value of your fourth line players when the team just really isn't that good, especially when they're struggling to score offensively. And, you know, I get people on a regular basis tweeting at me saying, what does Mackenzie Entwistle do? What does Reese Johnson do? Well, I'll tell you what, they're not out here to score 20 goals a season, and that's not what they were brought in to do. Like some people just have these expectations that Mackenzie Entwistle should be an offensive weapon when, you know, you're not going to have 12 forwards in the lineup for the most part, uh, unless you're a Stanley Cup, you know, supreme team like 
this Blackhawks team, you're just not going to get goal scores down on the fourth line. I don't know what you expect. And even when this team gets good, once again, you really don't want goal scores on your fourth line. Yeah, maybe you want guys who can chip in offensively every now and then, but you want them to be rugged and responsible defensively and making it hard on their opponents. So I think evaluating a, a guy like Mackenzie Entwistle or a guy like Reese Johnson, who I'll get to here in just a second, it becomes really difficult to understand their true value on bad teams. So I think Mackenzie Entwistle and Reese Johnson kind of get a bad rap, but I will say in Mackenzie Entwistle's case, um, I, I still feel like there's a little bit more to be desired with his play. And I love his combination of speed and physicality, <clears throat> but again, it's just hard to kind of, recognize what his true impact is for this Blackhawks lineup when he's not putting up a ton of points offensively. In 32 games this year, he's got two goals and three assists for five points. His career high in goals is five, which he had a couple of years ago in 55 games. Uh, career high in assists is seven. So his career high in points is only 10 that he had in 66 games. Um, so having five and 32 this year, like theoretically should be right on track for him to set his career high, but it's nothing that's, you know, going to have anyone writing home about. So it's kind of difficult to understand what Mackenzie Entwistle's first half has really been like, uh, been on the ice for, excuse me, he's a minus 17, which he's never been a plus in his career because he's always been on the fourth line on bad Blackhawks teams. The one thing I will say is uh, the shooting percentage down to 5.7% when he's been close to 10% in his entire career, not someone who gets a ton of shots off on goal, but someone who is pretty effective and goes to the net with the purpose to get a lot of uh, a lot of cleanup shots. So it would be nice to see that number get up a little bit higher here in the second half. In terms of time on ice, Entwistle has won uh, or has been on the ice for 11 minutes and 18 seconds per game, which is down from the 11 minutes and 55 seconds he had last year. Uh, what's interesting to me is, especially when I get to Reese Johnson here in a second, Mackenzie Entwistle is still being utilized as a center. Not that the Blackhawks have many options right now, but. Uh, he's only won 41.7% of his draws and never really been a good faceoff man at the NHL. And to me, it's pretty clear that uh, he's a winger with his speed and his um, and his size. I think he's someone who should be playing on the wing uh, when the Blackhawks get healthier and have a little bit more options on their hand. And also, I've been a little disappointed by the physicality of Mackenzie Entwistle this year. He's only got 50 hits in 32 games compared to the 126 that he had in 66 games last year. So even the physicality is down a little bit. Uh, the goal scoring is down comparatively. The analytics, 44.0 Corsi, 4 percentage, but on the ice to seven goals, four to 29 against, 85.4 on ice save percentage. One of the worst on the team. Ugh. I feel like McKenzie could still take his physicality to another level. Um and he's not even playing all that as much as he was last year. These fourth liners are tough, tough to gauge, but I still expect a little bit better out of McKenzie Ambush. So I'm going to give him a flat C for his performance here in the first half. And then that takes us to Reese Johnson, who to me is kind of an intriguing case. The 25 year old forward turns 26 in July. Like Mackenzie Antwistle, the offense has never been his bread and butter. In 27 games this year, he's got two goals and no assists for two points. Uh, had four goals in 57 games last year, so actually above that pace. Had two assists in 57 games last year, so not really all that surprising. He's not chipping in much in the assist column, uh, and then had six points in each of the last two years. So like I said, that's not the expectation for Reese Johnson. But one reason why I do think he's intriguing is because he's a penalty killer. And unlike Mackenzie Entwistle, he's a proven good centerman. 
even though he's only taken 63 draws this year, which has been a little confusing to me. He's won 58 uh, 50.8% of his faceoffs. He's been above 50% every year in the NHL. And this is why, to me, why I'm a little disappointed in Mackenzie Antwistle, because Antwistle certainly has the better offensive upside than Reese Johnson. But I think Reese Johnson might have the better chance of being a long-term piece with the Chicago Blackhawks team because of his versatility. And I think he's the more physical guy between the two, even though he's smaller. 56 hits in 27 games this year after having 178 and 57 last year. Coming off of that broken collarbone, he returned and was like even more physical. And his ability to play the center or the wing, and when he does play center, he can actually win draws. I don't know. To me, something just tells me that Reese Johnson has the better chance of sticking around long-term than Mackenzie and Whistle. I'm a little bit confused why the Blackhawks haven't been using him more down the middle this season. He's usually been playing the right wing when he's the more reliable face-off man than Mackenzie and Whistle. Uh, in terms of the analytics, they're not pretty. 41.2, Corsi 4 percentage, but on the ice too. Five goals, four to 28 against uh, with an 83.7 on ice save percentage. That might be the worst one I've ever seen. I don't know if Reese is uh, aiding in that or if it's just bad goaltending luck or, or what's going on with that. But 83.7 save percentage when he's on the ice is not very good. Um, but I do still think Reese Johnson has a little bit of value as a potential fourth line center that can go out there and block shots and be physical in a very minimized role. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Go and comment down below as to whether or not you feel the same that Reese Johnson has a better chance of being a long-term piece for the Blackhawks. I don't think either of them have solidified their spots in this Blackhawks rebuild, but I don't know. I just think Reese Johnson's versatility gives him a better chance. Go and comment down below if you feel the same. For those reasons, I'm going to give Reese Johnson a B for his performance in the first half. Maybe I'm being a little bit tough on Mackenzie Entwistle, but uh, I just expect a little bit more out of him in comparison to Reese Johnson. All right, that wraps up part three of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason grades. Still have one more session to go. Make sure to stay tuned for that. Coming up in just a moment here, Blackhawks fans, I will get into a uh, discussion on what the Blackhawks should do with their defensive pairings once Seth Jones returns from injury. But first, I need to talk to you all about Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Is Connor Bedard going to be taking home the Calder Trophy still? He could. Is Austin Matthews going to be taking home the Rocket Richard? Sounds like he could be. And you could be winning real big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily contests. And all you have to do is pick whether superstars like Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, or Connor Bedard are going to record more or less than their sleeper projections for goals, assists, points, shots, and more in any given game. And again, sleeper offers you the chance to win 100 times your cash in daily contests. So start paying attention, make the correct picks, and you could win real big. And right now, you can use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps to get up to an $100 match on your first deposit with Sleeper. Again, that's promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps, and go and see Sleeper's terms of use right now for more details. 
Segment three, following the Blackhawks matchup with the Winnipeg Jets last night. Don't worry, Blackhawks fans. I know it was a pretty good performance out of the fellas, even though they lost a heartbreaker two to one for the second consecutive game. I will be breaking down that episode, probably going to be coming out either later today or on Saturday morning. Um, But what I want to talk about to wrap up today's show is that Blackhawks defenseman Seth Jones participated at practice this morning at Fifth Third Arena, and it looked like he was a full participant for the Blackhawks and could be a chance that he makes his return to the lineup on uh, Saturday night when they take on the Dallas Stars at the UC. And with that being the case, I figured it would be a good time to talk about what Luke Richardson should do with these defensive pairings or what I would be doing if I were Luke Richardson whenever Seth is able to return because the Blackhawks do have seven defensemen on their active roster right now, even after sending Louis Crevier back to Rockford because they claimed Jacob Megna off of waivers from the Seattle Kraken while Seth Jones was down. Isaac Phillips is still up in the NHL. Nikita Zaitsev and Jared Tenorti are both still on the NHL roster. So this is going to lead towards some sort of tough decision for Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson and head coach Luke Richardson to make potentially on Saturday morning if Seth is able to go against the Dallas Stars. And at Blackhawks practice here this morning, the lines that they were using, I had it pulled up on my phone, but of course, after I keep it locked for a certain amount of time, it goes elsewhere. But the defensive pairings that the Blackhawks utilized at practice this morning, they're, um, by the way, I should say, Connor Murphy was taking a maintenance day, so he wasn't out there, and I don't think he's going to be the extra for the Blackhawks whenever Seth does return. But the deep pairings that the Hawks rolled with at practice this morning was Alex Vlasic and Seth Jones as the top deep pairing, Jared Tenorti and Isaac Phillips as the second, and then Kevin Korchinski and Nikita Zaitsev as the third, with Jacob Megna serving as the extra. And this just didn't really sit well with me, Blackhawks fans. Uh, I know Murphy's out, so these are not accurate as to what they're going to be tomorrow, but there's a couple of things I disagree with here. First and foremost, there's absolutely no world in which Jared Tenorti should be playing over Jacob Megna. I know it's only been five games for Megna since he's been uh, acquired off of waivers, but he's played all five games alongside Alex Vlasic, and they've been a true shutdown pairing for the Blackhawks while Jared Tenorti and Connor Murphy have kind of just been, man, allowing goals behind them. Uh, Jared Tenorti's been getting burnt. It has not been good for Jared Tenorti recently, and I don't know what Luke Richardson is seeing. And listen, I get there's a lot of respect for Jared Tenorti, and he earned this contract this season by what he did last year and blocking all those shots and taking one to the jaw. Um, I don't care, man. Like we can't be playing Jared Tenorti who has no future with this team, no future in the NHL, probably not an NHL defenseman on any other club, maybe a couple, maybe the San Jose Sharks. What are we doing here? Jacob Megna has been awesome with Alex Vlasic. How do you remove those two? And how do you go and use Jacob Megna as the extra? That, that beats me. And I'm even an Isaac Phillips fan, but there should be no way in which he's playing over Jacob Megna. To me, this is what the defensive pairing should be. And, you know, I think Alex Vlasic and Seth Jones could be a great top pairing. I think you got to space them out because Alex Vlasic has shown us that he's good enough to go and do it on his own. And to me, I would be giving Kevin Korchinski opportunities with Seth Jones on the top D pairing. That would be my top pairing, Blackhawks fans, is Kevin Korchinski and Seth Jones. Because even though Korchinski and Zaitsev have been rolling well these last couple of games, uh, I'd still much rather have Kevin Korchinski with a defensive partner who he actually could be with in the future in Seth Jones. 
very well could be a top pairing for the Chicago Blackhawks moving forward. And we know we're never going to see the Korchinski-Zaitsev pairing after the season. So how about we try something else there, okay? So that's my first thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Secondly, Alex Vlasic and Jacob Magna undoubtedly should be the Blackhawks' second defensive pairing. They've been rolling great together. Jacob, they both kind of play the same style too. Like Magna, there's nothing fancy about him. There's nothing fancy about Vlasic, but they're good puck movers. They're effective at getting the puck out of the defensive zone. Underrated passers. I think their puck moving has been really great. And they're both big bodies who know how to use their big bodies. They're not overtly physical, but... They still know how to use their size and their reach to their advantage with both of them being 6'6", Alex Vlasic, 6'7", depend on where you look. So to me, that should be the second defensive pairing. No way Jacob Megna, if Jacob Megna is a healthy scratch tomorrow against Dallas, I'm going to riot. I might turn the TV off right there, right then. And I know that might be a little uh, exag- of an exaggeration because Jacob Megna has only played five games here, but that would just piss me off so bad if Jared Tenorti is playing over Jacob Megna. And then the third defensive pairing, this is where it's going to get really interesting, Blackhawks fans. To me, uh, Connor Murphy's going to be in the lineup. You're not going to be scratching Connor Murphy. So you have him on the right side uh, of the third defensive pairing, or I guess the left, depending on who it may be. And then the question comes down to, well, are you going to play um, Jared Tenorti? Are you going to play Isaac Phillips? Because there's not room for both of them on the NHL roster. The Blackhawks are not going to carry eight defensemen. To me, I'd be playing, um, oh, excuse me. I kind of phrased this question wrong. There's the Phillips or Zaitsev question as to who should be that last spot in the lineup. To me, it's easy to scratch Jared Tenorti. That's a no-brainer. It can go kind of either way. And if there's a problem with two righties on the same pairing, I think you can move Connor Murphy to the left side. I ultimately, though, expect Nikita Zaitsev to probably remain in the lineup. And then the question comes down to Jared Tenorti or Isaac Phillips for the extra defenseman spot. To me, it's a no-brainer. I I would be having Isaac Phillips there. I think he's deserving of NHL action. I don't really know what more he has to prove at the AHL level. He's had some hiccups here recently, but this kid's still only 22 years old and was a fifth-round pick. I mean, he's kind of already exceeded expectations for most fifth-round picks. And when we're just talking about a choice between him and Jared Tenorti, like, How can we keep Jared Denorti in the NHL over Isaac Phillips? But I'll tell you what, I have the full expectations that Isaac Phillips is going to go back down to Rockford. And I just get this weird feeling, Blackhawks fans, that he's kind of in the same boat as as Ian Mitchell last year because it would be clear if the Blackhawks loved Isaac Phillips, he'd be in the lineup night in, night out, and he's just not. And I still think at 22, uh, the development could go a little bit further but given that the Blackhawks have Alex Vlasic, who looks like a stud at the left-hand side, Ethan Del Mastro, by the way, is the AHL representative, uh, the AHL All-Star representative for the Rockford Ice Hogs this year. I think he has a very bright future on the left side. And then, of course, we still got Wyatt Kaiser, Nolan Allen, and more defenseman prospects coming up year after year. So to me, honestly, I just get this feeling that Isaac Phillips is going to be an odd man out. And because of that, the Blackhawks are going to keep Jared Tenorti as their extra defenseman, even though it's going to piss me the fuck off. Um, I just kind of get that feeling about Isaac Phillips. I hope I'm wrong because I do think he has some abilities and I think he could showcase that if he's playing on a regular basis. I just don't know if I expect that to be the case, given the Blackhawks situation on defense uh, right here, right now. All right, I think that is going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go in and subscribe to the Locked On Blackhawks YouTube channel. 
and go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Do me a favor, go and give me a quick follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And make sure to also go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, I am going to get an episode out tomorrow, breaking down the Nick Foligno contract extension, the Blackhawks heartbreaking loss to the Jets, and maybe a preview of the matchup against the Dallas Stars as well. Make sure to stay tuned for that. Until then, everyone stay safe, stay warm, enjoy your weekends. I'll catch you next time on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.